Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Charlotte. Charlotte. You're watching Rugby Wrap Up. Next on Rugby Wrap Up, Brian Ray, Dan Power, and Matt McCarthy with Major League Rugby highlights, previews, and you'll just have to wait and see. Rugby Wrap Up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, the Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better, and Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey everybody and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Thank you for joining us once again and you are joining some of the big shots, the big wigs, the, the, the highfalutin creme de la creme in Mr. Brian Ray calling in from some 70s detective show in Florida and Dan Power who's in Malibu next in the house next to Matt Gittu, his fellow Australian. I'm Matt McCarthy, I'm in Midtown Manhattan and guys, uh, we're here to talk a little Major League Rugby. And we know four things for sure. Teams that did not lose last week were Austin, Atlanta, Houston, and Utah. But let's go to the teams that did win and lose. And the first one up, the first one up on this list, the Free Jacks going into San Diego's adopted home of Los Angeles in the first of a doubleheader at the Coliseum, Brian. And the Free Jacks came out on top. I think a couple of us predicted that, uh, you know, it was pretty evident early on what the, what the issue is for San Diego. You cannot play a professional rugby match without a proper scrum half. Uh, no, you know, disrespect to Patrick Madden, but he's a fly half at the, <laughs> everything he's played is fly half. It was very quickly apparent that he had no experience there. Uh, they had no, uh, you know, no way to get the ball out quickly to the backs to, they were just eaten up. So I don't understand that selection. And it really uh, hurt them badly throughout the game. Uh, and hey, the Free Jacks were on fire to, to start that one and, uh, you know, iced the game with those three early tries. And it was pretty much done by then. You know, there was no coming back. So uh, disappointing match, you have to say, for San Diego. Although, to their credit, they clawed back, got some points in the, uh, later in the game. And on Twitter, you were the one that had suggested putting Cecil Africa at Scrum Hand. Yeah, I mean, he's played there in the seventh circuit. It's not exactly the same, but at least he has some kind of tendency, you know, uh, whether he tie Osa, who's a capped, you know, utility back, a capped Eagle, you know, maybe he's not in tip top shape or whatever, but I just, uh, I don't, I didn't understand those selections in the halfbacks. I mean, obviously they got hurt with the, the injury from uh, Gonzalez Iglesias. But... What do you mean? How do you, what are you talking about? Dan, how much, how, how much is there in terms of truth to the rumor that you were rumored to be coming out and playing fly half for San Diego? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they uh, do in. I got that from America's Rugby News, by the way. That room. Yeah, yeah, hot (laughs) off the presses. Yeah, I, I, you know, I get what Brian's saying, but who, who who is left? Like, what, what do you do? Like, Patrick Madden's been in camp. Ty Nosa hasn't been around the scene that much. So, in terms of continuity, you put Africa to nine, and I get what you're saying. You take away one of your biggest strike runners. um, He had to play ten. So, do you flip flop the two? Maybe you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but. Man, um, I don't know how much sleep Scott Murray and Zach Tess are getting. I'm guessing it's not a lot at the moment. Uh, that injury toll out there is it's it's pretty significant. Crazy, crazy. You know, you you say they're losing sleep, but th- what what the heck can they do? They've got they've only got the cards that they have in their hand to play with, and the cards are getting fewer and fewer by the second. Uh, you know, <laughs> if if they can if they can somewhat survive until they get some pieces back, maybe they make a late run because it is a marathon. 
Yeah, you got Ferno and Paddy Ryan. That doesn't really solve the problem at nine, though. Um, and you look at the quality of player, like attrition rate in professional rugby is normal. We all know that. But look at the players that they're losing. Augsburger, Peterson, Rob Shaw. I mean, those three are three leaders. They're, they're, you know, the tip of the spear for San Diego. And they're all gone. Oddsley. So, yeah. Ords, and then you got Audsley, Denison as well. Two more key people. Yeah, it's tough, man. You can only build your squad out so deep. You don't have this, you know, finite uh, – sorry, it's a finite player pool. So I don't know where they're going to find someone. It's not like there's a quality nine just sitting at home ready to go. Yeah, well, Brian, Brian well, what's the answer, Brian? Well, I think there just might be. Uh, there's this guy named Ruben de Haas who uh, just happened to get released from the Cheetahs, and he is headed to Major League Rugby. I can confirm that. Now, which team he's going to, we don't know, but uh, we know who could use him, that's for sure. Wait, this just in. Your intern is calling and saying it's the Gilgronies for Ruben, not the Legion. Okay, but we ha- it is something. So you got a little bit of redemption. Next one up, Los Angeles. The second part of the doubleheader, the, the Giltinis hosting Old Glory. And on our other show, uh, What Are the Odds? John Brecho Layfield was stabbing with a sword his Old Glory ball, despite the fact that he lives next door to Paul Sheehy. Paul Sheehy actually called, and it didn't do any good because they got slaughtered. Dan, this was, this was not something that we didn't see. Well... I think it's the easiest prediction we can. In what's been a very tough year to predict games, it's LA is the easiest prediction we all have, and they just continue to, to march on. We'll see. We'll see if there's uh, a hurdle. I, I, they don't play Toronto again, so that kind of rules that one out. Um, who knows? Which Toronto team? We, well, that's for later. But which Toronto team are you talking about? Not, so, not the one on this week. The week before. But if you had. Old Glory in 29 points, you lost. Yeah, isn't that crazy? But, and I thought Old Glory came out and started really well. Like that opening 10 minutes, you know, they, they kind of hit him in the mouth and went after him and, and, and fought back pretty hard against LA. But you just know when LA get those set pieces, like their strike rate off lineouts is remarkable. Like, and you know it's coming. It's like fighting Tyson, like early, early age Tyson. You know what he's going to do. He's going to come in, he's, he's going to bark. He's going to barb and he's going to pull your heart out. He's going to eat your children. And um, just can't stop him. You can't stop LA. Love watching him just as Brian, a fan. Is it, Love is it. it. Brian, is it the wrong strategy to score the three points out of the gate first against the Giltinis? Because that's what the, the, the Arrows did. They scored the first points of the match against the Giltinis and then got slaughtered. And then <laughs> Old Glory, Robertson slots the three, jogs back into place, and they score 75,000 points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe you just got to kick to the corner and go for broke. I mean, you're only going to get limited opportunities. But, I mean, geez, every mistake they just pounced on. I mean, threatened Palamo gets a little ahead of the kick chase. J.P. Doyle says, hey, slow down. He turns his head for half a second, and that's the whole they attack. I mean, uh, you know, you just got to give him credit. They're so well coached. Uh, they're fun to watch right now. Now we have what, what everyone at home is wondering. It's the answer to the question, what the hell you are wearing. But before we get to you, Dan, why don't you go first on this one? I was so confident. I had a big weekend oh with, on the family front. So I had my daughter's Good birthday. So it was kind of it was one that I actually got to, to sit down and actually enjoy amongst the festivities of the birthday weekend. Yeah, 14 nothing. I can see the grimace on Brian's face because we know 22 straight points to Nola. Got to give him credit though, Matt. Like Nola just looked 
like they had nothing, like nothing in that opening 20 minutes. And you're like, oh, this is going to be another 50 points for Toronto. Toronto just went, oh, we're done. Put the tools away for the day. And, and Nola came back. And yeah, it's a much needed win for Nola too. But Toronto, oh, God, I hope they don't look back at that one at the end of the year and sitting in third place and being like, oh, you know, we're out of the playoffs now because we uh, we dropped that one. Yeah. I don't know what Nola Nate Osborne, a.k.a. Nola Nate, Newt Rockney said in that halftime speech, but that was two different teams. They were sloppy, you know, they were kind of careless. They were, in the second half, they came out and they were disciplined, hardworking, methodical. You know, they played good, they played good, solid rugby. And the, what happened to your arrows? Because I, I was up 14 zip. I'm looking like a genius. I got Montero. I'm like, he's I, everything that I said on, on, on one of the odds was coming true. And I was the only one that picked Toronto. And what happened, Brian? I think they got off the wrong stop for the, the second half. They were riding this one at halftime or something. It was, uh, I think I cursed Taylor Adams last week. The poor guy definitely had the, the uh, most unfortunate game of his career with the arrows. Uh, you know, they just didn't have uh, they forced, uh, you know, forced passes, penalties. Uh, how many kicks missed touch? that horrible uh, shaked box kick from Higgins. I mean, everything was going wrong in that second half. And, and you're right though. You have to give Nolson credit. Damien Stevens came in at 45 minutes, turned up the tempo. We've been saying that, uh, you know, repeatedly on this show that he's uh, really the, the scrum half that they need to drive that offense. And, and he showed it again. And uh, yeah, you know, credit to them. It's uh, e- even if there was a hint of obstruction, maybe on that second Dominguez try, it didn't matter. They were winning that game anyways. And, uh, and deservedly. So I don't know. I just I I can't for the life of me understand how Toronto choked so badly in that match. And Taylor Adams, of all people, he he missed two easy kicks, right? That's six, and then he takes the yellow with at the 69th minute. And I'm like, somebody a little payola down, in, huh? Just saying, it's all I'm alleged, all rumored. Kidding. We're not. We're gonna leave that in, by the way, Dan. I know Dan is Dan is squirming. You know, I'm only kidding. This is parody. But come on, Dan. That, I'm, uh, I'm just picturing Taser on the riverboat casino, getting in deep the night before, and a couple of couple of wise guys down there be like, "Hey, hey, you need to help us out tomorrow." No, he wouldn't do that. Uh, good, good to. Everyone has one of those days. He's a class player. Like he's one of the the best players in the league. I love watching Taylor Adams play. Totally. So. You know, you just have these days sometimes, so it's just unfortunate. It went. Yeah, when I, I thought lose when, eight grand on it, you know, that's sorry. a whole different thing, man. Sorry, I thought when uh, Tukalet and Maya had the head clash, like I'm like, ah, oh, losing your fullback's bad, but losing your third, fourth string ten now, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the floodgates, but it kind of was the opposite. So yeah. Tuk's uh, obviously does a lot more at fifteen than I give him credit for, which is not surprising. He's world class. So um, great win for Nola. Speaking of great wins, you know, Starfire is not an easy place to play, Brian. You know that because your arrows go up there and poop the bed all the time. But New York went up there, and this was two desperate teams, and it really, really looked bleak for New York. And then suddenly, somehow, behind the perfection of Dan Hollinshead, they squeak out a win. But Brian at the heartache of our friend, Matthew Drew Turner. 
Well, uh, to be fair to the arrows, the last time they visited Starfire, things turned out pretty well. But uh, <laughs> revisionist history is That's not true. That's not true. They lost. They lost. They lost but, huge. Uh, Another game, uh, you know, Tale of Two Halves. First half, we looked like, uh, and it reinvigorated, uh, you know, a lot of life in that Seattle side. Uh, Ross Neal running away for that first try he scored was fantastic. Uh, you know, Andy Ellis just made some uncharacteristics mistakes, and uh, things just weren't going right. And in comes the butcher, and case closed. I mean, the man is, he's just a force of nature. He just willed that team to victory, it seemed like. And and, and like you said, Holland's had deadly uh, accurate from that boot. So, uh, you know, a, a great come from behind win for New York. And, uh, you know, you had to feel a bit for the Seawolves, though. They were, they were oh so close. That second half just didn't go to plan. And how, how, how amped up do you think Dylan Fawcett was coming off the bench in that match? after his head exploded in the loss to Toronto. We'll talk about, and, and the contrast, you'd mentioned Ross Neal. There's that great clip of the giraffe running and the Lions try to get it and just boots it. That was Ross Neal. And then you flip it to Dylan Fawcett and the second half makes a long run. He looked like Pumba with the little legs and the big barrel chest. He's just <laughs> flying down the field looking for support. Ross Neal, obviously, right. great athlete, finishes the try. Uh, Butch gets caught, but... Uh, Honestly, I think he, I think he got player of the match, if I'm not mistaken. The guy came on at halftime, 40-minute shift to get player of the match, and he deserved it too. But like I said, I think Toronto look at the NOLA game potentially as the one that got away at the end of the year. New York could look at this one as like, hey, we, we played poorly for 40 minutes here and we, we got away with it. End of the year, this could come back and be like, hey, that's, that's what got us into the playoffs. So... Uh, it was a good win on the road for New York. Much needed because they, they did not look like the New York that I thought they were in that first 40 minutes. I know it's a devastating loss for, for the Seawolves and their fans. I get that. But New York, who had high expectations, if they had lost this match, they're flying home, long flight home, to then face the Giltinis, Brian. Yeah, they really, really needed that. And you can see, you know, see that desperation with, I mean, Fawcett was breathing fire when he came in there and, and he knew that they could not leave there without a win. And, uh, you know, and, and all he can do is, is, is give him credit for, for recovering there. I like the body language I saw from Seattle, though, for the most part in this game. It was much, much better. Shoulders were up. You know, they were looking forward. Everybody looked more enthusiastic. So uh, I wouldn't get too down uh, on the Seawolves after this one. It was a step in the right direction. Well, think about this to Seattle fans, that missed kick. I don't think it's a, you know not a knock on Matt Turner because he's an amazing player, but just go back 12 months, you've got Brock Staller, Ben Seema, those guys automatic from there, flips it around, just goes to show the value of a good kicker. So Toronto saw that with Sam Malcolm last time they went to Starfire. No revisionist history there. I got your back, Brian. Uh, Sammy oh, hey. the boot. Sorry, go- Sorry. guys, Brock Staller's agent is on the phone right now. What's he need? How much money? We don't have that, sir. We don't have that. And Brian, what is he doing that is keeping him from playing? Uh, here he's up there collecting maple glazed donuts and passing them out to kids, hungry kids in the street or something. <laughs> no, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure the Seawolves fan wishes he was there at the game on Sunday. Fans, we, we'd like to locate Brock Stoller and Joe Peterson. If you could please find those two people for us, we'd be much obliged. <laughs> on that note, let's take a quick break and come back with predictions and previews after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. Been blind since I was four. 
And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. McCarthy, Dead Power, Brian Ray, guys, a big, another big weekend, huge weekend of rugby coming up in front of us, and uh, you got uh, Houston going into NOLA to get us started on the weekend, Brian, since you're in NOLA right now. Yeah, well, I have to uh, back NOLA after that uh, terrific second half performance against the Arrows, so I'm picking NOLA, but man, this is a, a, an interesting game you know and Nola all of a sudden if they don't have Kyle Meyer that's another guy they're playing at 10 who's out so who knows who's going to play maybe it's Guillaume in again but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this it's gonna be a good game but I'm, I'm gonna pick Nola because you know that's the kind of guy I am Houston's coming off a bye Dan and who the hell are they don't know it's a good question uh and i feel like they're in the position nola was just in in terms of desperately needing to win this one geographically a bit of a rival game i know they're in different conferences now but they're pretty close and they've had a lot of preseason games against each other some players have gone uh from nola taylor howden from nola to uh to houston uh, i'm gonna go houston in this one and i just think nola are pretty beat up at the moment as well so i'll stick with the saber cats Nate Osborne's Australian, Dan. So is Paul Healy. What do you want me to do? I, I can't. And, and Paul is from my hometown. He's a Queenslander and we stick together. Nate's from those filthy southern Disgusting. New South Welshmen. Yeah. Like, it's like Jersey oh, City. Look at me in my Range Rover. I'll go into my private school. I'm so cool. I live in Sydney and I have a two-bedroom house I paid $4 million for because I'm... Highbrow cool. Nate Osborne. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sir Osborne uh, up against the working class, blue collared, you know. Lord Osborne. I yes, think it's going to be a score fest. I think Houston's going to surprise Nola, who has got to be beaten up after that. But at the same time, they got momentum. So, oh, half of me wants It's so tough. Throw it in a washing machine, Matt, this yeah. year is impossible. Just Houston throw it, whatever Cats falls out. In the upset, Austin. At New England at the same time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Austin, Austin going on the road, right? And this is like a, a long trip for them going up to New England. Uh, Free Jacks look good, albeit against a pretty depleted San Diego. But that was a tough trip all the way to the West Coast, all the way back, short week. So um, tough game. Austin, if Austin are contenders, they need to win this game on the road to prove they are contenders. And they should beat New England if they are the team that, you know, Austin want to be. Uh, New England have to win this game to stay in touch with the East because with some of the other games we're going to talk about, if they don't, then all of a sudden that gap starts to open up a little on the East. So 
can we just skip the predictions this week? This is crazy trying to pick this. I, I agree with Dan. Austin are probably favorites here, but I'm going to pick New England at home just because that seems like the thing I should do because I keep getting everything wrong. Uh, you know, this is just going to be a great game, a good challenge, but uh, agree totally with Dan. If Austin are going to be contenders like we think they are, this is, uh, this is a game that they've got to get at least some points out of, if not a win. See, that this is the thing now. We're talking about the, the, the Eastern Conference teams knocking off some of these Western Conference teams as almost being an upset. And the Gilgronies, of all teams, we're talking about being one of the top teams in the league. How great is this? And that marketing scheme of Gilgronies and Giltinis, again, I love it. Brian, I know you don't like it. Steve Lewis doesn't like it. Dan, do you? I think you like it. You, you know, you've been embracing it. Oh, I'm, I'm a raging alcoholic. I'm all for it. <laughs> Excellent. All right. And let's go on. That, that's a, that opens up the segue to the next one. Brian, your arrows at home in Atlanta against Atlanta. A whole lot of uh, worst home games ever for the arrows this season. And here, this might take the cake. I mean, what, what do you do here? Uh, I have to pick the arrows because I can't believe that they're not going to bounce back from that really subpar second half against NOLA. So I'm going to go with them. But, man, this is a tough game. Uh, ATL looked pretty good. They got a week to recover now. I'm sure they're uh, going to be firing, uh, you know, Scott Lawrence will have those guys watching tape. They'll be ready to go. So this is going to be an awesome game. I think uh, I'm picking the arrows, but uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I'm not nervous. This is as much of an away game for Atlanta as the Super Bowl was for Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. <laughs> Ryan. Who's kidding yeah. who here? What do they do with the locker rooms? They have to flip-flop locker rooms because it's a home game for Toronto. I would do that if I was Toronto. I'd be like, you know, you got to use the away locker rooms so yeah. be as uncomfortable as possible. Yeah. Um, Toronto. Toronto at home. They're it's not just... at home. <laughs> They're it's in Atlanta's as... home. Does this it's thing work? Home. It's home as they can get. There's going to be a little circle on the map and it's going to be, you know, the People's Republic of Canada right there just outside Marietta. I've been wrong about Atlanta this year. I've been wrong about Toronto, tragically wrong about Toronto, and but then right because they're a 500 team. But now I'm going with the arrows, Brian. I'm going with the arrows. <laughs> Sorry, Scott Lawrence. Uh, but I, I think that the, they have the more, more experienced team and the pressure's on Toronto because on paper, I think they're a better team. Old glory. Going out for that old 10 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on Saturday night in Utah. And, Dan, I think you're doing that one as well. Yeah, we're going to be on Fox Sports for that one. That'll be a good game. That'll be actually a really good game. Utah look to have got things uh, moving in the right direction with that big score over Houston before their bye week. So what are they, 3-3 three and three now? I think they're 500 as well. Uh, old Glory, 13 points, sixth place on the East got to win this you got to come away maximum points here to stay in touch so it's got to be a bonus point win for old glory i think stylistically i actually like old glory in this one as long as they're not banged up from the la trip and they're healthy i like old glory i think uh robinson will appreciate altitude and i think they've got the the style and, and they play a certain way that does not fit well with the way that utah play here so i'll go an upset on the road, old glory of Utah. The next one up is on Sunday afternoon. Los Angeles is coming to New York to Jersey City. Brian, what do you think the Giltini star-studded lineup is going to think of that Mickey Cochran Stadium in uh, downtown Jersey City? 
I'm sure they'll be super impressed by the scenery and everything. Uh, they'll be super impressed with the turf as well. So if I'm New York, I want to be uh, introducing them to that surface as much as possible in the early stages of that game and trying as much to, you know, just wear them down and, and, and try and do something to disrupt them, uh, you know, because as soon as they get that steam, it's, it's, it's all over. So uh, I, even though New York hasn't been at their best the last couple of weeks, I'm still really looking forward to this one. I think, uh, you know, without the travel and, you know, they can kind of just sit back and kind of get their heads together for this one. Uh, I think it's still going to be a, a good game, but, you know, you can't pick against L.A. right now. How many points? What's the differential? Uh, I'll, I'll pick L.A. to run away by 20 at the end. Dan? Yeah, I was, I was 21 was the number that popped into my head, so Brian, pretty close there. Can you go we'll next see. door and ask Matt get to? Uh... Yeah, hang on. Just give me two. Gets! Hey, Gets! <laughs> yeah, mate? <laughs> what do you reckon you'll beat New York by this week? 21, mate. Yeah, he said 21 as well. So I think that's pretty good. You know what? You're probably right. LA is the better team on paper by a wide margin on paper. Uh, but this is LA versus New York. And it's in Jersey City. And Jersey City is a tough place. And New York has embraced Jersey City, made it its home. And I think they're primed to upset the league leaders. Call me crazy. Call me a homer. But that's what I'm going with. New York to win this one. one. Okay, next one up. The final match of the weekend. San Diego goes into Seattle. This is the Band-Aid Bowl. And it's all for, for, for the brain and for the body. Brian, who's coming out of this one alive? Well, I think we're going to have to wait and see what the selections are later this week. If San Diego... San Diego can find halfbacks uh, anywhere to play in this game. Maybe they have a chance, but otherwise I'm going to go with the Seawolves in this one. I I, I actually think, uh, you know, they're at home for another week to get to prepare another week with Alan Clark on the ground, helping them out to a little bit more improvement, maybe uh, a little less beat up and feeling better at home. So I'm going to go with the the Seawolves to get the win in this one over the Legion. This was the championship in 2019. Oh, how times have changed. Now, it's probably uh, actually one of the more competitive matches of the weekend. Uh, I'll go with Brian, though. I think they actually look good in that first 40 minutes. Where's, where's my boy Brad Tucker? Can we add him to He's your coming back uh, this weekend. most wanted list? He is. Okay. He's coming back, allegedly, yes. Got that from People America's Rugby just, News, so if the intelligence is incorrect, blame it on them. So just Brock Staller and Joe Peterson, people. We'll leave Brad alone. He's all mine. You know what I love about the Seattle fans is even if there's 300, 500 of them because of COVID – when the other the opposing team's kicker is lining up to kick, they're just letting him have it. <laughs> Holland's head just nailing the kicks despite all of it. But it was great. And because there were less fans, you could hear individuals more. Some of those, <laughs> some of those fans were great. I'm just absolutely. You know, I know the purists out there are rough, get their feathers ruffled, but this is the United States. This is what we do. And a home team can do what they want, literally. You know, and, that, and it's going to happen, so we might as well embrace it. Good, good job, Seattle. Uh, I think I think they're going to bounce back, uh, and I think San Diego is just so beaten up and going into that environment, and even not having all of their teeth, the Sea Wolves were still a dangerous animal at home, and but for just a couple of hiccups, they had that match, and I think they're going to bounce back. So on that note, final thoughts on Week Seven being in the books and going into Week Eight, Brian. 
Well, I can't wait to look back at these predictions and just shake my head at how wrong I was yet again. Uh, no. Hey, we've got, you know, every, every match this weekend is, is a compelling watch. So uh, I, as much as it's going to be, you know, a long weekend sitting on your, you know, Keister watching rugby on it. Uh, hey, what a great way to want to spend a weekend watching exciting rugby. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Dan. Thought we'd have some parity in the league by around week four or five. But we don't. It's still so difficult to tell who's going to win. And that's great for the league because people won't turn off or won't go away because they're going to always be surprised and what happens. So, is it, But we, we are agreeing that LA is not part of this conversation. They've got a long trip. I told you guys, watch this weekend because that's a tough trip, LA to New York. I've done that trip before and it's not fun. I didn't have to get off and play rugby. I was doing it for work and it was not a fun trip. So but They have a private jet. They, man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't they matter. Don't have a private jet. I don't okay. know. That was just conge- rugby wrap-up conjecture as per America's Rugby News. And on that note, I want to thank my colleagues, Mr. Brian Ray and Mr. Dan Power. Thank you, gentlemen. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. And please check out our other segments, including our Major League Rugby Show, our Global Rugby Recap, What Are the Odds, our Major League Rugby Sports Bet Show with the Philly Godfather, John Bradshaw Layfield, the WWE legend, and Gifty Belu, Martial Law, the Zach Attack. And please sign up for our American Red Cross Rugby Wrap-Up Blood Donor Team.